This week on The Native Immigrants, we're talking about Muslim representation in film and TV. You might have seen Riz Ahmed talking about a recent study, and we are going to be talking about that study a little bit more. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. (laughs) Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. Ole, 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 ole. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Ding, 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 ding. That's the matter of your life currently, isn't it? Like, I'm very tired because I have, I'm have i a working lady now. Yeah, we just had an argument about that just before the start of the show. Yeah, because apparently I don't think that he has... Does enough work as you. Yeah, as much as me. And uh, obviously that's not true. It's just the way he likes to think. Um, and also it's just really hot. Which is what the whole so point really was my uh, whole... The start of the show was to emphasize how hot... Well, do you know what? It's not even how hot we are. It's how hot Jojo B is. Um, it's because currently I 27 love degrees it. in our flat. Love and it. do you know what time of night it is? It's 20 past 10 at night while we record this. Mm. And it's 27 degrees. Good times. And it's been a whole day. Because it's not like... We you know we used to go to work and being air-conditioned offices. And so you, then you yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah. being in the heat afterwards. Because you'd be freezing in the office because they just turn the aircon off ridiculously for no reason. It's just sitting in the heat all day, every day. And what he doesn't realise is, this is not my first go at this. Last year wasn't my first go at this. The year before was pretty much my first go of it. And I was heavily pregnant and very ill. Hmm. And I wasn't feeling very well. And it was really hot. And and now every time the heat comes and I'm in this flat, because that's all I've done every summer for the last three years, it's just a bit intense for me no i get it it is very very intense for you i mean i don't hear the end of it um pretty much I from complained all day today what oh my what it was only when it got to about four o'clock and that's <laughs> when it got really stuffy otherwise <laughs> i was quite enjoying what? it that is that is an absolute lie that is an absolute I have lie i've not complained about the heat all oh day today days. other than the fact that i cannot cool wow. down bubs's room and so i just worry about him getting really hot but otherwise, I no, have no. a day. I've, I've sat, so basically, we've both been working from home. I've been sat from the opposite side of Jojo B. And Jojo B has consistently throughout the whole day complained about the heat. I have not. Yes, you have. I haven't. Oh, my day. I have not. Except the only thing that I want to do is open the door, like the balcony door. Yeah. And then you start sneezing because of your hay fever. I do have hay fever, um, as do you. And yeah, so I yours do. Is, I do. Oh. It's weird. Ours are all, ours are like bad at various differing times of the day. So yeah. Jojo B will have it kind of through the day. Uh, in the morning. Or, you know, and I have it kind of more in the evening. Um, so throughout the day, you will hear um, a cacophony of sneezes. I have to um, say, though, this year... The antihistamines just don't, they just don't work. They've been a bit of a fail, haven't it? Yeah. They're just like, it's just, what? <laughs> you know what it is? I blame Brexit. I think we're getting the British uh, versions of them rather than the overseas oh, ones, which is so much nicer. Right. That's exactly what it is. You know? So we're having to be dealt with uh, whatever's left from the dregs of society. 
uh, when it comes to um, just little sugar anti- pills, aren't they? That's it. Yeah, they're not even real. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's just it's to make it's to put into your head psychologically that this is doing something for you, and it's not because the placebo effect doesn't work on me. No, as in nothing's <laughs> working on Joji B currently because she's constantly. Uh, complaining about being hot. This is so fucking like just nonsense. This is not true. Oh my the god! The only time I said it was hot was when it got really late into the afternoon and it was really fucking stuffy and we couldn't open any windows because you were sneezing. That's the only time. It wasn't. It wasn't so much the opening. Okay, so we also have uh, a person living downstairs who smokes all the time. Oh god, all um, of that chain time. smoker. Yeah. And so, and and because he smokes from his balcony. It then the the fumes and the aromas waft into our um, place, and it's completely engulfing our living room with our baby. I said baby, our toddler now running around in you know taking in these fumes and getting passive smoke and shit in his lungs. All last week, I was like, "Can you smell smoke? Can you smell smoke?" And I re- and I googled like what smelling cigarette smoke all the time means. Yeah, and it was just like, "Oh, you might have a brain tumor." <laughs> But but I think if anyone searches for anything right now on Google, on any condition, it's obviously going to say at the end of it that you've probably got some form of cancer. And you're going to die. But like, no, he smokes a lot. Yeah. And And he just gets stuck up your nose, that smell does, doesn't it? No, it does. I'm not used to it anymore. I don't like that cigarette smell. In the old days, we just used to be used to it, though. Everyone smoked and you used to go to bars and clubs and everyone smoked. You used to come out stinking of it and you have to, like, shower before you got into bed. Otherwise, your whole bed would stink of it. And all that, because I've never been a smoker. I've never smoked a cigarette. And so, like, I just, I hated it. But I was always around smokers. Mm, And so I had, I was used to the smell of it. Now, I cannot stand the smell of it. Yeah, I've I've never been able to stand the smell of it. I've it's the same as you. All of my friends smoked. My closest friends for most of my twenties. Um, it's weird. Like I've, I've I've less and less people in my life. I guess it's a natural thing, isn't it? You kind of tend to, you know, like the older you get, tend to connect to people that are almost on a similar wavelength. Also, you. it's just not like so. We grew up in an era where it was depicted as being cool. To it, smoke, yeah. yeah. It was still we still lived on the end of that era, really. We kind of still mm, saw that, yeah. But like, it stopped now. Yeah, that the, no one shows that people smoking on screen anymore. It's not seen mm. as being cool anymore. So I don't think as many people smoke, especially youngins. I don't Probably. think as many. I know a few twenty-year-olds that smoke still, but it's not it's like health. A... Stop it. All right, you know, Auntie Jojo V. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, it's. I think the older you get, you just tend to vibe more with people that are on a kind of similar kind of wavelength as you. And so I'm, I'm not a big smoker. I don't really like smoking. It feels like no one within my close circle does either. Everyone vapes now, don't they? Everyone vapes. Yeah, the people that do vape along. Um, but yeah, we completely digress from our point here. The point is, what it's was our re- point? The point is, it's really hot, and I love it, and Jojo B doesn't. All right, so there's two very differing clashes I, of it opinion. It out like I don't like warmth, but I do. You hate I don't this. know. I hate the heat in our flat. I love it. Right? And I hate the, you know, when it gets, it's just been consistently hot in London. And then all of it, all it is, is that you're just like walking through a cloud of pollution when you walk outside because it just hangs in the air. Mm. That's what I don't like. Um, and... And just Britain's not made for these kind of temperatures. Whereas if you go abroad, like if you go to Spain and it's this hot, it's amazing, mm. right? Just you don't have to go abroad very far to be able to enjoy this kind of heat. No, but in this country, especially in the cities, the inner cities, 
I just don't think. I don't yeah, think we're made for to, it. Well, probably not it's as not a enjoyable. general society. As a general society, I probably agree with you. Um, as two very different human beings, obviously, I'm going to completely disagree. I Anything think- above 25 is just this country's not made for. And so they may, it makes it unenjoyable for everybody who enjoys. The country's not, but this dude is made for that weather. Um, and I, th- I, feel, I feel like I'm actually solar powered. I need heat and kind of intensity. Me, me and my mom are very similar that way. Both Leo's uh, in it. Yeah, Fire you uh, and my dad are very similar in that way. Um, in terms of not liking the heat, they want it to be. Like, no, okay, I'm. I'm sorry. I am sorry. He will keep saying that I don't like the heat. Don't like the heat. Oh my god! And it really people. irritates me because it makes me sound like I'm some kind of like weird snowman that melts in the heat, <laughs> and I'm not because I don't like the cold. I'm from Newcastle. I've lived through many, many cold spells, minus ten and shit, and I don't enjoy that either. So it's just right. I like it to be at a temperature where I can wear clothes. And also, if you're a woman, can I just say, if you're a woman and you have breasts, it's really hard to wear clothes that are like light and airy and comfortable in this heat. Mm-hmm. Because you still have to wear a brassiere that holds up your jugs. Mm-hmm. And then you still have to figure out how you're going to wear something strappy. That, and it doesn't look ugly because you're wearing this brassiere that holds up your jugs. And like, and then you have sweaty boobs and you have like thigh rub. And these are things that happen to like, I would say like 80% of women. And these are all things that men don't have to worry about. Uh, well, some people go For most men. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people do, you know, some guys do have. And if you are one of those guys that has to deal with it, then you're probably on my side of this argument. Let's, let's put it out to our people. What do people out there prefer? All right. I, I'm very much someone that loves the heat um, because I cannot stand the winters in this country. I cannot stand the cold. I can't stand, I can't stand anything to do with the British winter here. And I crave as soon as it starts to turn warm, as soon as it starts to turn hot, I'd rather be sat in a sauna than be sat in an igloo. Basically, same, but that doesn't mean that you want to be stuck inside your home, mm. especially when your home is a flat that doesn't ever cool down again, (laughs) right? That's that's what I'm saying. If you're outside or if you're somewhere where it's enjoyable to be, like not in like no one enjoys being like in the middle of a desert outside, do you know what I mean? Mm. But like if you're outside and you can kind of chill out and relax, sit by the sea the inner beer garden, whatever, then that's great, okay? Right. Then it's fine. But the the heat issue here is firstly being stuck inside when it's really hot and there's no air conditioning and there's like your fans rubbish. Secondly, if you're out and about and you're walking around in the streets and then the sweaty and the thigh rubbing thing happens mm. and it's just not, you know, like bits that chafe. The chafing, the chafing is the problem. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of factors there, Jojo B. I think, you know what it is? We're, you know, the situation is what it is here in this current um, situation (laughs) that we're in. Um, And so we have to make do the best that we possibly can. And in in this kind of environment or this current weather, this current climate, we have to, you know, embrace it in a way. And I feel like I'm someone who is very much guided by the sun god Ra. And you're guided by the winter god, Jack Frost. <laughs> um, so, um, 
we just we just need to you know like find a way to coexist within this environment without getting on each other's tits what i would do is i would have to put like some like hidden okay sweaty tits um (laughs) we'll have to get like hidden microphones put within slack because i want you people to hear just listen to when she starts to complain today wasn't that bad i honestly didn't think today was that bad and also the the good thing about working from home in the heat though is that because i'm the kind of person i'm very self-conscious about my legs i don't like really showing them in public Mm. and i sat at home in my shorts working and i would never do that in a normal work environment yeah, yeah even you know those kind of smart shorts that you can get i would never ever whereas today i could sit in my shorts exactly and do more work and i quite enjoyed that so i didn't have aircon but mm. i did have shorts there you go well you know said these kind of little wins are, are a massive plus because you know you'll probably be in a situation now where for the rest of your life you won't be able to wear like hot pants uh, at, at work but, you know, in this current time where we are stuck indoors. wearing hot pants, Daisy Dukes. <laughs> Daisy Dukes and stuff. Um, but we are still stuck in this situation. And it looks like we'll be continuing to be stuck in this situation for a few more weeks to come. Nice segue. Yes, indeed. Yes, we are still going to be stuck. But we're not really. They were, it's kind of like it was the last of the measures. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. That they have delayed now. Yeah. So lockdown, July, Freedom like. Day has been moved. Yes, indeed. Uh, which was originally <laughs> going to be June Day. the 21st. Uh, and now it looks like it's going to be for an additional four weeks as per Bojo's latest statement. Yeah, 19th of July now. But they said they're going to review it in two weeks right. and then see from there. Yeah. Um, and they're hoping that by that point, three quarters of the population, the adult population should have been vaccinated. Second, yeah, yep. second jabbed. Yeah. Um, with and most youngins would have had um their first their first jabs yeah thanks for finishing my sentence yeah because the first um it's hot and it's late we've already said this and i've had a long day at work um jabs jump um I've lost my train of thought now. Well, you know, this, this is why I have to finish your sentences because this is what happens with you. So, yeah, I to... so, I mean, this is a really, this is a, like a blow to uh, theatres, yeah, to nightclubs. Yeah, to the arts in For general sure. because they were hoping to be able to open their venues and be able to start making money and cover the costs that they haven't been able to cover for like over a year now you know they've really really suffered and to all our friends who are djs actors performers of any kind or and or who work in any of those kind of venues we are really sorry that this is happening to you again of course um and we you know we're here to help in whichever way we can of course yes i know so many people i've been in conversation with have been you know, like looking at this almost like a D-Day thing with June the 21st is that finally we can get our life back on track. We can get back in a situation where, you know, normality is a big word, but begin to start to, you know, live our life and earn our yeah. keep in a way. And, you know, for those working in, you know, theatre especially, we're kind of really relying on this this next month their first big earnings, I guess, in a way. Like, if you've got bills to pay. Yeah, yeah. Venues have got rent to pay. Yeah, yeah. Individuals have their rent, rent to, pay, to pay. yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. everyone has bills to pay. So, I think, yeah, it's it's hard. It's been it's been a hard year. It's been year. difficult anyway, I know. Yeah. If you guys, that's what, if you can stretch out for just four more weeks, just another four weeks, then we can get through to the other side. Fingers crossed. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. Get your jabs, people. Make life easier for everyone. Yeah, and absolutely. For you know, this this is the point. Um, there's a lot of times where 
people haven't even got their NHS text messages come through yet. Get in touch with your local pharmacies and your local chemists. There are a number of different ones across your areas that are offering vaccines. Yeah, yeah, vaccination centres up and down the country. They could be a pharmacy. They could be, you know, your local football stadium. It could be anything. Yeah, exactly. So just, um, just get on get online yeah absolutely um and just get yourselves jabbed as quickly as possible if not for yourself then do it for anyone that you get in contact with going forward you know there's so many people that are asymptomatic right now we can't be taking any chances and we can't be taking any risks so please don't but good news for those people who are getting married soon it looks like the wedding industry uh is the only positive beneficiaries of uh the last statement in that uh, they're going to look like Weddings can take place for over 30 people now indoors. Weddings, receptions and wakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are certain restrictions on that as well, depending on the venue, etc. But something that's massive within our community is the Big Fat Indian Wedding. So it looks like for most of you, this should be good to go for summer 2021. But be sensible, be careful. Yeah. You know, you might be allowed to fit a hundred you know you might have a venue that fits 200 people in don't try and squeeze in the 300 that we'd normally try and do yeah you know like be sensible yeah indeed but talking about weddings talking about that joyous occasion of bringing two families together and indulging in some dancing and drinking and goopshoop squeezing too many people into a venue yeah <laughs> Bringing loads, inviting loads of people you really shouldn't have invited, but had to do it anyway because of politics. Literally, my dad's bank tatter came to <laughs> came to our wedding. I'm, I'm I'm not even joking. Like, your dad said that there was a guy that came to his door wanting to ask him about like what it was like living in the area, and your dad inadvertently pretty much invited this guy to the wedding. But the, so the guy was like, "I'm moving in. I want to know what it's like." And my dad was like. My daughter's getting married and the guy just kept talking to him. He's like, look, you can come into the house and just sit down because my daughter's getting married or you can leave. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy left. Here's an invitation to the wedding. (laughs) Um, Seven years of myself and Jojo B celebrating this week our wedding anniversary. Seven years? June 2014. When it all took place. Seven years. Here we are, June 2021. Where has the time gone? Where did my youth go? Where did the, the youthful exuberance of no bags under my eyes go? It was in my head. Hmm? Where do you go? <laughs> my <I> lovely. <laughs> Which should have been our wedding, should have been our wedding song. I don't know why that was in my head. But yes, where did it all go? It's all gone by in a blur. It's lovely. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. It's um, it's it's it's, it's all going behind the burr. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I think um, high five, well high five, high five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, thick ones, blood. Um, it's weird. Like each year has been so different. Like there's been no real, like you know, like two years in a row which are like the same. Every year has just been in like drama, drama, but in not even drama. There's just been like. You just don't get a set like kind of time period of just like consistent niceness. It's just been like because one thing after life, the other. Is it? I think for a lot of people, it's a it lie is, that though. we've all been sold that that's how it is. There's always shit going on in everyone's lives. It's just how well you hide it. It's not even the we shit. We choose not to hide I, it. We tell everybody. We do tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, you you'll have heard all about it every week uh, for four like seasons. To, other people hide it behind their Instagram. Yeah. 
Here's a picture of us frolicking in our garden. Yeah. Not inside the house, you know, shouting and screaming at each other. It's mm. just it's just what people choose to show you that you believe. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Don't uh, believe it all. No, don't believe it all. And, you know, just be, you know, upfront and honest and, and be compare. open. And don't compare. Absolutely. We've never compared ourselves to anybody else. There's been couples where we thought, oh, my God, this they're in a perfect situation. Those people aren't even together anymore. You know, and I think over the course of our seven years, we've seen couples come and go as well at the same time. And that's not to say, oh, look at those people and pointing the fingers at them and kind of, you know, it's make... never take anything for granted. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, work hard. Absolutely. You know, we're seven years in, you know, we're aiming for a lot longer, obviously. Um, the podcast obviously helps because we're able to talk about our feelings and our thoughts about situations, including our own marriage, you know, openly here on air. For our audiences we don't want to pay for therapy we just do this instead yeah exactly this is it this is our this is our uh, you know therapeutic um sessions basically in a way Couple a of therapy. yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah we you know thank you so much for everyone that's joined us on that journey for the last four seasons uh where we have been very upfront about what's been happening in our marriage and open and honest about it and encourage you all to do the same as well because that's what the show is all about is opening up discussions and and dialogues and things about marriage that not necessarily spoken about quite a lot and people can still find quite taboo and unless we talk about it and unless we discuss it how are things going to you know progress and, and there's so there's no shame in being unhappy exactly you know i've been unhappy for a number of years but um i'm still here you know i'm still riding it out um and you know preserving the sanctity of marriage because that's how so you I've make a joke of this point but i'm being serious there is no shame in being unhappy and we've had our moments where we haven't been happy of course and we've dealt with them yeah you know, we've spoken it spoken about it and worked it out yeah sometimes you can speak all you like and it doesn't work yeah, you know and yeah. and if you're in that situation don't waste your life do you mm, know what i mean yeah. like you can keep trying and trying and trying and sometimes it not, it's not going the way that you want it to no and it's so, no good for you it's no good for your partner exactly. it's no good for your family it's no good for your mental health uh so many different factors you know life's people, complicated there can be other things to do with you know you might have children you've got a joint mortgage you might, you might like even have abseiling. a business you might have business together you might have other responsibilities together mm. and so it makes it different to like a difficult to part yeah but if you're better off apart, yeah. then sometimes you have to make that difficult decision and then try and work your way through it all. Yeah. I'm no expert on this stuff, but I've seen lots of people go through it. Yeah. In a you know, a mutually amicable way and in the total opposite of that as well. Yeah, I've yeah. seen people that I know and love go through both scenarios and they're both really hard in their own ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you can do it amicably the end result is always a lot happier. Yeah, no, I find that, you know, you, I've seen um, situations where, you know, the people end up becoming more friendly because they've got a common uh, connection with a, a child or something. You find that they're a lot more, I don't know, they're in a better better, better place almost in a way, being, being friends, friends rather yeah. than kind of when they were a couple and stuff. So, yeah, you know, each to their own. We're here. We're still here seven years on. Seven years, baby. Indeed. You know, and many, many more to come. Um, 
So yeah, had a lovely celebrationly celeb- celebratory meal as well. We did at oh a my restaurant. God, it, we went into a restaurant for the first time since we figured it out. It was like February 2020. Yeah, so literally a year and a half. It's madness, and it felt really weird. Totally, and it felt a little bit scary. Absolutely. Um, and we sanitized a lot. Yep. Um, and then hoped for the best. I mean, Jojo B literally wanted to wear two massive condoms all over us, basically, to protect us that much and sit down and eat our meals that way. <laughs> How many people will get a naked gun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they won't get the reference. Exactly. <laughs> if you know the reference, you know exactly what we're talking about. But if that's, that's what, if, if, if it was up to Jojo B, this is how she would walk out into society currently. I so mean, let's not even it's, joke. It's scary out there. No, so no, no, it's just like you're trying to look. So we've had it drummed into us that it's scary out there for mm. a, like for like a year and a half. Yeah, we've been told because even before lockdown happened, it was building. The news is building. This thing's happening. It's getting scary. You know, there's this mystery illness. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. And then, and then after that, it was just like, don't go anywhere. Don't touch anyone. Don't touch anything. Don't speak to anyone. Don't look anyone in the eye because mm. you might stone, turn to stone. Like it was just like that. Yeah. And it was. And so now you're just expected to go out and be normal again. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard. Like for me, who I've already spoken about the fact that I have anxiety, but like, you know, it's, it's hard. a big step. It's a big it's step hard. for sure. I think for the average person, it's hard. Yeah. For someone like me, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. But we did, you know, we took the plunge. I had two drinks and I was done. This I was is it. all right. We took the plunge and we made it happen. And it was a delightful experience for the two of us. Uh, I don't know when the next time we're going to be in a restaurant, especially now with uh, the restrictions still continuing on for the next few weeks. Um, yes. And the rising cases from the Delta variant, um, you know, not helping uh, our uh anxieties at all in that way no, um not helping mine at all yeah so we've still got to remain vigilant still got to be careful what we do and how, where we are and how we go about our life um but you know we hopefully in a few weeks time with more and more vaccinations with more people being sensible we'll get back to some kind of yeah because i want to go to Dishoom for my birthday but i'm not sure that's gonna happen mm, yeah i was actually looking forward to that as well yeah being back at Dishoom. Okay, we can celebrate for your birthday. Woohoo! Which isn't that far off. Make my own birthday cake like I did last year. Violence. Make my own food and wash my own dishes like (laughs) I did last year. Happy birthday, Jyoti. Happy birthday to the ground. Oh my God, we taught Bubs to sing that. We taught Bubs how to sing that, yeah. He was supposed to sing that to like um, my family when he. I want want to remind him tomorrow when he pops around. Uh, But anyway. Uh, what's been happening this week? Well, we finally watched the end of We Are Lady Parts. Yes. Great show. Awesome, awesome show. Um, brilliant representation. Which is actually something we'll be talking about on the other side of this break when we discuss Muslim representation on film and TV. half of the native immigrants i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and first and foremost thank you so much to our guests from last week's show 
the amazing Niraj Jug, who was kind enough to join us to talk about his life and his future endeavours. The maestro, the musical legend. That is Niraj Jug, who will obviously be producing all of Jojo B's forthcoming rap project. Yes. He's obviously promised that on air, on our show, exclusive so make sure you check out that when it's if and when it's released. I've been trying to figure out what to do with my life. That's there you it. go. There's your calling. 2022. We Bring need, it on. We need one successful rapper in this household. So why not <laughs> it be you? Um, thank you to all the great feedback we received. Uh, shout to a friend of the show, Raj Chima, who said, I just want to say I really enjoyed your last episode with Niraj. It was a great mix of comedy, seriousness and life banter. Great work. Thank you very much, Rajpreet. Thank you very much, Raj. Shout out to everyone that gave us some great feedback from that show. Go and listen back to it if you haven't already. And um, follow Neeraj on all his socials and check out what he's been up to recently. Yes, do that. Right. On this half of the show, what are we going to be discussing? We're going to be talking about Muslim representation on film and TV. Now, this comes after Riz Ahmed has launched a fund to help combat negative portrayal of Muslims in film. And that's because of a recent study by the USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative found that fewer than 10% of top-grossing films released between 2017 and 2019 from the UK, US and Australia featured a speaking Muslim character. And the study suggested that when they did, they were shown as outsiders, threatening or subservient. And about a third of them were perpetuators of violence and more than half were targets of violence. This is something that we don't find too surprising, Jojo B. I think having read through this study, it doesn't tell us anything new. But what it does do is confirm what we already thought. Hmm. And I think that's what we've been lacking. Is yeah. We've been lacking a study, we've been lacking the information and something that backs up what we all think and what we've all been speaking about, that the representation doesn't do the Muslim community any justice. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, I've looked at the study and I am, I'm a researcher. So I've worked in research for like 17 years of my life yes um there are some things in the study that i would question like methodology wise mm -hmm. it's really boring i'm not gonna go into it now but there are some stuff like the sample the sample is uh films from the us yep. the uk australia and new zealand mm -hmm. if you look at the new zealand sample there's only five sa films that they've looked at right okay so there's there's certain points that have been drawn out that i maybe would take with a pinch of salt just because it, they, they may well be true, but you just need a bigger sample to kind of definitively say something. Yeah, of course. But if you look at uh, the overall results, I think we've all been saying these things for a long time. And I, and this is a really good first step in in a road to kind of looking into how the film industry works and hopefully at some point the television industry as well yes. um, in terms of portrayal, how, how negative portrayals of the muslim community of muslim characters can have then a negative impact in terms of societal thinking yes indeed and and thus you know like in that and, and if you've heard riz ahmed's been very vocal about this study and he's um he's done a lot of um articles and he's he's got a really great uh, clip on youtube where he talks about this and what it means in terms of if society bases their view of the Muslim community 
off the things that they see from TV yes. or from the big screen, then those things, those negative things that happen to the Muslim community off the back of that can only be blamed on the fact that these people have been indoctrinated by what they've seen. On of TV. course, yeah. You know, the fear that has been kind of bred inside them has been has been growing inside of them and then thus the hatred becomes it comes from somewhere and it partly comes from you know newspapers and headlines yeah, and all news, that stuff yeah, of course. but also those things are then backed up with the negative portrayals that you see on your screens at yeah, home or in the wise. cinema yeah. yeah and so that then can directly lead to Attacks now, whether they're the big attacks where mos- where mosques mosques are um being attacked and you know people who are worshiping are being shot, mm. or um the more day to day things where people are having their hijabs pulled off, or, yeah. you know, and those th- those are all awful things that happen on a on a daily basis. People being you know things being said to them in the street, or I saw a video today of on Twitter of an, uh, a white neighbor attacking his Muslim. Um, neighbors for like because of parking mm, you know like yeah. those kinds of things all come from the the portrayal of the muslim community as some kind of as, as villains yeah exactly yeah absolutely yeah. and that's what this study backs up yeah of course yeah well you know there's the community as a whole have been um you know laid to blame for so much of um society's problems especially in the last five to ten years um, things happening around other parts of the world influencing um, ways of thinking and views here in this country, obviously, um, unfairly on all the community here in the UK. Uh, we've obviously spoken season after season about representation of our communities on television. Um, it's our very second show. We spoke about it at length and we've done it um, over the course of the last four four years sporadically and um you know through all our shows and one thing that is always an apparent is the negative portrayal of the muslim community specifically um you know if we just look at like a selection of, sh- of shows in that time that we've talked about and we've looked at yeah shows like um you know much hype shows like the bodyguard which was um one of the big big um pluses on bbc in the last few years it was a great show, and I just remember watching it with you. And the moment where, you know, she turned out to be a terrorist, and the the eye roll that we gave each yeah, other, like, oh my yeah. god, not again! Yeah, such and, a it was a it was again a massive cop out ending for what would what looked like a real great, you know, diverse show. That that show that was on ITV with Archie Punjabi. Next of Kin. Yeah, yeah that we, I just refused to watch in the after first or second episode. I was just like, nah, I'm not investing my time in another show. Yeah. That's about, are they terrorists? Are they not? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, because, you know, a family can't just go to Pakistan on holiday. Yeah, of course. And yeah. so it, it just, the, yeah, there's been so many. The state, so, okay, the thing I'll say about the state is the state was obviously all based around ISIS. So, you know, it's not like they're going to come out of it in any kind of, you know, amazing, glowing, positive light. Yeah, they said from the start what it was about. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there were aspects of, you know, that show which tried to show people on the other side of, you know, the fence kind of, you know, against that, what was going on at the time uh, in Syria um, and Iraq. Uh, But still, at the end of the day, you know, the bad guys are still the bad guys. And in, in this situation... It's also is Islamic community, you know. Yeah. So, um, there's like I said, there's been plenty of shows like this, um, across the last four or five years of us watching television, and we've complained about them. 
the, here the, on this show. I think one that we haven't spoken about, but we we had a conversation about between ourselves. And again, another massive eye roll because it was a show that we really loved. Yeah. It's The Boys. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the Muslim ter- the characters turn up. And there they are being terrorists. Being terrorists, absolutely. But being yeah. like kind of like superhero terrorists, yeah, you know, yeah. like super villains. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> like, not again. No, I think it's it, it's become a very very lazy way of um, trying to put together a, a storyline that's going to be accessible to people. Mm. Um, you know, is by showing Arabic terrorists or Middle Eastern terrorists. Um, or things happening in the states, but there's um, a terrorist involved there, and obviously he's of Islamic descent and stuff. You know, it's it's a very easy way to get that stereotype across to people, um, and especially in somewhere like the states, where films are such a massive deal and millions of people are watching these, and it filters through into popular culture and into society, mm. that these things become more and more of a norm. Um, and this is something that obviously we've been trying to get away from and we've been trying to, you know, push that narrative across to people, you know, in the confines of this show. But the study is really refreshing because it gives a much more um, mass exposure to what's actually happening on film and TV. Um, yeah. And it and it needs it needed obviously something like this to happen and it needed someone like Riz to step up and actually be like, right, let's take the ball by the reins and see what we can do here to alleviate this going forward because yeah it does it has a massive impact on not just the community but also people working within the arts of the you know from um the muslim community and you know the the doors that keep getting closed on these people you know whether it's actors or whether it's writers or whether it's directors you know it filters to all aspects of the the community you know so it's um it is something that's needs to be addressed and something that needs to be tackled and I'm glad they're actually making those steps forward by at least putting it out there and getting people to engage in that conversation. Yeah. There's there's some other interesting points in the study as well about the lack of diversity. So the, the Muslim religion is one of the most diverse, like kind of background culturally diverse um, religions yeah. in the world. There are black Muslims, there are Chinese Muslims, there are, you know, um, South Asian Muslims, Middle Eastern Muslims. It's There's a, a wide diversity, white Muslims as well. Yes. You know, there's a wide diversity, but most often the depictions of Muslims on screen will be, they will be of Middle Eastern yeah. descent. Yeah, true. Uh, and then that's followed up by South Asians. Yes. And then there may be some black muslims in there as well yeah, yeah but very very few like these are these are things that you know lgbtq just not represented yeah totally disabilities not, yeah. not represented women there's a few hmm. not that many really yeah children not really yeah you know like there's this whole world where there is <laughs> that is just completely ignored it's just angry young men mm. that are depicted yeah and true. so then that's the view that people have yeah true. and if if a woman is there it's an angry young woman yeah like like um that f- film jasmine again with archie punjabi yeah. um exactly the same um you know it started off being a you know a, a normal tale um about you know a, a muslim lady um growing up up north and her family and then obviously gets more embroiled uh you know with, it's not going to make it onto TV if it's not got yeah, some exactly, kind of got, element of it. Exactly. Also in the study, they seem to 
the the Muslim characters that they did find within film were othered. So right. they were shown to be different. Either they were, um, they t- didn't speak English or they spoke English with an accent. Right. Okay. Um, they uh, wore different clothing. So they mm. didn't wear Western clothing. They wore their kind of co- clothing from their cultural background. Right. Okay. Um, and also they were usually like immigrants or migrants or refugees. Mm. They were never people like us, but we were just like born and brought up yeah, somewhere. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah, yeah. rarely. Right. Um, and so it just makes you, it makes it even more likely that you will stand out. You right. know, they try and make them stand out, that they, they, they belong over there. Right, yeah, yeah. They don't kind of take part in the make like in the, the main part of society right you know like how they're trying to portray in the media at the moment in the newspapers where like certain areas are no-go areas yeah of course yeah, yeah <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah. go Absolutely. there if you if you're white no go because zones, yeah. you know the muslims will get you don't like, go to bradford it's just <laughs> that's that's basically also being perpetuated in films mm, yeah and and so it's just another way of making muslims seem like them over there yeah of course yeah that group over there that you should be a little bit yeah you should integrate they're not able to mix yeah you have nothing in common with them yeah 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 and so it was just another signifier of how muslims are different yeah no absolutely yeah i can i can you can envisage that um but let's let's take it back a little bit in terms of balancing the scales there have been some positive lights on television to represent the community very, very well. One is a show that we mentioned in the first half of this show, uh, which we just finished watching, which is We Are Lady Parts, which is brilliant. Literally one of the most radical programs that I've seen. Like, I think in radical terms of- is the right word as well. Yeah, because we have not seen Muslim women being portrayed like that. Absolutely not. People have been would have been too scared to have done so a few years ago. You know, not even that long ago to have made a show like this. Yeah. You know, and to to go completely outside the box, to take it to that level of extreme. As it is not just like to represent like um, Muslim ladies in a positive light is one thing. And that's great to see. But to show like the, you know, the blasé nature of it as well, you know, to, to show that they're so out there and so like completely outside of their comfort zones i think is extremely brave is extremely radical like you just said mm. and it's hugely hugely refreshing and also it could only ever have been done by a muslim woman yes indeed because she was very culturally sensitive because mm-hmm. a lot of those characters are the kind of people that I have known in my life. Yeah, yeah, you can say. You know, and and so I I recognize those people. The Noor character made me really angry because she reminded me of an old friend of mine who Mm. I, I is no longer a friend of mine, you know? Like, because, and she got it so perfectly right. Yeah. That kind of stick up her ass, you know, like nose up in the air, yeah. That kind of, and perfectly put together. You know, like, I know girls like that. Yeah. And and then the other side of the coin where, you know, like where she's just a mess and she doesn't know who she is, yeah. the main character. And I'm just like, it's just, it was so good to see because this is the reality mm. of, I mean, it might obviously like it's, it's hammed up a little bit. It's got artistic of license course, and yeah, stuff, 100%. but it's, it's very much more the kind of portrayal of, 
it's a more realistic portrayal. Yeah, I think. I think re- uh, realistic is probably a strong word. No, because but, I think... these, but this, it shows you the diversity of women within the Muslim community. 100%. And all of these kinds of characters do exist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're likely to know someone who's like that. If you've got we're Muslim friends... We're more likely to know someone like that, basically, than to know all the negative portrayals of the community within the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I just, I found it... Yeah, I really loved it. It's just so much joy in that program. Definitely. And... I'm really hoping there'll be a season two soon. Uh, absolutely. Shout out to Nida Manzur for putting that together. Um, you know, like I said, that this show wouldn't have been commissioned a few years ago. No. So I'm hoping that seeing programs like this on television means that we're at least heading towards some kind of, you know, resolution or some kind of light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to representation for not just the Islamic community, but the South Asian community as a whole. Because this was a massive, massive positive light this year. Um, uh, in a time where we really needed it. Uh, and I'm glad a show like this got made um, and got such a positive, positive reaction as well mm. from so many people. Yes, there was a lot of negativity based around it, but that's where mentalities and mindsets need to change. Was there mentality? I did not see the negativity. I think people on my timeline on Twitter were very yeah, if you, much if you kind read, of yeah, I think we're, who, we're, um, who we're lucky. Kind of we're lucky in a way in terms of the people that we know and around us are all really, really love the show. Um, but if you watch the program itself, you will know a part of the show where they talk about the negativity based around the band and yes. on social media. Yes. And that's not to say that there wasn't that also reflected in real life when it comes to this show. But on the whole, it, it feel like it, it was a massive positive moment, a real like, you know, championing moment, um, not just for the community, um, but for ladies in general, um, you know, because there's very few shows to support. Well, I've never seen a show to support a, a punk band, let alone a Muslim punk band. Yeah, and it wasn't a show that was there to um, deride the religion. Yes, And indeed. in the past, if something like this had been made, it would have been, that would have had to have been one of the main points of the show. Yes. Was, you know, Islam is bad. And that's the only, and if I if I denounce it, that's the only way that I can go and play in a punk band. Yes, that's never said in this. No, totally. And I think there are some things that are touched on that are kind of difficulties. Yes. Um, but not there's never any kind of renouncing the religion. Yes. There's never any. Um, they don't they don't kind of disrespect the religion. Yeah, absolutely not. Which is uh, again great to see. Um, and you know, shows there are shows that man like Mobeen, and there are a few real positive lights on there uh, on television, um, and we have to be there to to highlight them and and, and support them. Um, but obviously, in a conversation like this, I think that with the two of us talking, we we can give our opinion on it, or we can give our thoughts on it. But you know, unless we get people from the community themselves to give us their thoughts and their perspectives on it. It's never going to give the real validity that this conversation really deserves. Yeah, we're two non-Muslims talking about the Muslim community. So yes. I, I think uh, we should shut up and let someone from the actual community exactly. have their say. Exactly, 100%. And we are delighted to have been joined on this week's show by Raisa Ahmed, who is a screenwriter and director based in Glasgow. And she was kind enough to share her thoughts with us earlier today. Hi, my name's Rice Ahmed. I'm a screenwriter and director and I'm based in Glasgow in Scotland. It's really lovely to speak to you today about the representation of Muslims on screen um, and you know, talk specifically about the recent study that's come out. The research study by USC Annenberg that looked into Muslim representation in film 
is long overdue. I mean, I think we've needed this study for such a long time. And what it does is it gives us that data that we can use when we say that the representation out there is awful, not just in terms of the numbers, but in terms of what representation is there. Um, we know that often Muslims are depicted as villains, as victims, um, people that either create harm or at, at the receiving end of harm. And, you know, and that is the tiny percentage that makes it on screen. That's, that's not even looking at the fact that the representation is very low. I mean, I think one of the things that um, the study did is it looked at the representation of different countries. Um, one of the things, for example, was that in New Zealand, none of the five movies that they looked at featured a Muslim character in a speaking role on screen. Now, I guess, you know, New Zealand is a small country, but considering the announcement of the film around the Christchurch massacre recently, that figure just seems all the more stark. Representation of Muslims on screen, you know, if we're coming away from the study and we're looking at what can we actually see in terms of representation without without the use of the study, is that it's very, very limited. Um, in fact, until We Are Lady Parts came out recently, I could not think of a single Muslim female character who was depicted in a positive way or even depicted as someone that is maybe complex. Um, instead, often Muslim women are either seen as terrorists, for example, the bodyguard, um, or seen as victims. And I guess you could use the bodyguard as an example there as well. Um, a lot of stereotypes are used. And if we break down you know, Muslim characters, if we look at race, you probably will see a very limited version of Islam as well through that. Um, how many Muslim characters do we see on screen that come from um, an African background as opposed to, you know, South Asian or Middle Eastern? Often the, the common um, version of Islam that's seen is, is a South Asian version or, or a Middle Eastern version. And I think we aren't really seeing the spectrum of what it is to be Muslim on screen at all. Um, and that's us not even getting into things like, you know, disability, sexuality, all of those things. Now, the real problem is that stereotypes on screen have a massive impact on the people that they depict. From the perspective of the people watching, especially if you're, you know, a young boy or a girl seeing your community on screen for the first time and all you're seeing are negative representations, that creates a level of anxiety, it creates a level of stress and worry about how the world sees you. But the kind of the bigger impact that I think is more worrying is the the real life impact it has on the everyday Muslim walking down the street. So for example, when Bodyguard came out, Muslim women were impacted by that. You know, Muslim women had things shouted at them. You know, potentially there was a rise in attacks and Islamophobia after the aiding of bodyguard and, and seeing the way in which a Muslim woman was first seen as a victim and then it was flipped to show her as a terrorist. Neither of those stereotypes are a positive thing and no nothing in that is empowering. Um, and I think that's the thing that people often don't realise is this building up of these negative portrayals builds in communities uh, 
idea that the Muslim community is terrible, that, that we are villains in some way. Um, and you only need to see the way in which Muslim communities are attacked and killed all over the world. I mentioned New Zealand earlier. You can talk about the family in Canada that happened very recently. And this is why it matters. This is why stereotypes, misrepresentation, this is why it matters because you may think that this person, this community is just, you know, your villain on screen, but actually by making them the villain on screen over and over and over again, you're making them the villain in real life. And when that happens, innocent people walking down the street are killed. Change is absolutely necessary. And I think the people that should be leading that change are creatives from the Muslim community. I mean, we need people that are at every level, at every stage. So yes, we need the writers and the directors and the actors, but we need the people that are the commissioners. We need people that are on set. You know, we need the industry to feel safe for Muslims. Um, and I think that's how we fix Muslim representation in film. Sometimes it's those little details that you might not notice um, in a script. And actually you could be shooting a scene and it could be your Muslim DOP that speaks up and says, hold on, this isn't quite right. And, and I think that that connectivity is what we need. Um, we also need, you know, the gatekeepers that are currently in place to accept the fact that some of the versions of Muslims that they've put on screen in the past have been completely wrong and they've been damaging. And so when Muslim creatives come to them and tell them that the authentic version, that the truth of a story is what they're presenting, then, you know, those gatekeepers need to be open to, to accepting that maybe they were wrong in the past. One of the big changes that can happen is the development of Muslim talent, you know, put put the time and money into developing this talent, take the risks, uh, you know, stop hiding behind this aversion to taking risk. I think that our industry, especially in Britain, needs to take more risks. And if it did, then the voices that would be going out there and the representation of the world in which we live would be more honest, more authentic, more accurate, and just naturally more diverse in every way possible. Thank you very much to Raisa. Uh, you can catch her on her Twitter, mm -hmm. which is at Raisa Ahmed. R-A-I-S-A-H-A-H-M-E-D. Make sure you all go out and follow her and follow some of the great projects that she's going to be working on this year. Some Absolutely. exciting stuff. Yeah. Again, just thank you very much because we, we can say so much, but it really needs to be said by someone who works in that industry yeah. and is from the Muslim community. Yeah, indeed. And she raised some amazing points there. I think one that we definitely um, reiterate and, and concur with is uh, getting people in the right places to enable change to happen, such as the boardrooms, such as commissioning editors. Uh, something that and we've, on set. And on set, You know, yeah. in production teams. And, and she said, you know, you need to feel safe in the environment that you're working in to be able to speak up. Yeah. So if you do have a Muslim member of crew who sees something being shot yeah. or said, you know, said in a scene and just kind of, if it's not quite right, them feeling safe enough to go, actually, you know what? That's not quite how it would happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like if we did this or this, then it'd be a bit more realistic. Yeah. You know what? And, Cause... and I think at the moment people don't have that 
that level of safety they don't feel like they can speak up yeah it's 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 when you've become uh, i guess an established member of your either cast or if it's a regular tv series or if you've become um, you know much more of a staple of you know the the like the acting industry as such because you know i've watched some episodes of eastenders in the past and they've had like some real kind of like crazy stereotypes of you know asian weddings it's you know for one episode and the way it was portrayed and i'm like you've got such multiple members of an asian cast on your show surely one of these guys would have been like actually no this is not how we do things within yeah. our culture that's not correct we should be like this and i remember that episode we had with amit janna where he spoke about uh, nitin ganatra on eastenders and how he was one of the first people to actually say uh when looking at a script no uh, my character culturally would not do this and um i'm not happy to be portrayed in this light as as this character mm. um and i guess you know he's obviously an established name within that show for a number of years you know but there's always that kind of i guess inferiority complex a lot of the times when we are looked upon as the minority in in tv and in film and in theater and so when you get opportunities to be in big shows and big tv programs you almost become subservient just as the the um you know the study itself showed you know not just from a character perspective but also sometimes from an actor's perspective or a and, musician's yeah. perspective and i guess speaking from an asian point of view we've always been seen as the model minority yeah. in terms of we you know we do as we told yeah. basically yeah. and that's that's not who we are Mm. And that's not who the Muslim members of the Asian community are either, yeah. you know. And so we need to we need to feel comfortable with just speaking out when things when we see things that are not correct. Yeah, for sure. And that's in any aspect of life, whether that's in the workplace, you know, in an office, or if you're on set. Yeah, of course. You know, it needs to be said. But the, I mean, the main thing that Raisa said was that basically, like, we need to have people in the positions of power. We need the writers there. Mm. We need the directors there to be able to make those decisions and to and to do it right in the first place. Yeah. You know, the reason that. Um, Lady Parts was so good yeah. was because it was written by a Muslim woman. Mm. And that's where it needs to start. It just needs to be from the beginning of the process. Yeah, of course, yeah. But like we don't we've only just seen these kind of things happen now. Like we you know, it's taken this long and this many years to get to a, a position in time where we are seeing not just Muslim writers but female Muslim writers being commissioned to do shows and television and then directing these episodes as well you know and, but it's taken too long yeah and now we need to build some momentum no definitely you know we are seeing it we saw bisha k ali featured as one of the credits on low-key that just started uh on yes. disney plus which is an amazing amazing massive look and uh, not only a female writer female muslim writer female british muslim writer as yeah. well at the same time and big things at disney absolutely you know and so this is what we want to see more and more of and you know like i said we're still you know in not even in the cusp of it it's still very very early days um but like but i said how long has it been early days for it's been early days since goodness gracious me you know yes. since those times yes and it just always feels like we're only ever really on the edge and now I think there has to be a real push. We've got so many talented people out there. Yeah. Creatives, writers, directors, all sorts of people yeah. that work within the creative arts out there mm. trying to make change happen. And we just now need to get, we're no longer in that world where, oh, we're not allowed to do the arts. 
Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? of course. Yeah, like yeah. that doesn't, that's not a mentality that really exists anymore. Yeah. So let's push it. Let's really say that we want to be represented. Let's be really open and really loud about the fact that we need to see ourselves represented. And that's not to say that like every other character needs to be Asian yeah, or needs to be Muslim or needs to be whatever. But it just, they just, we need to be there Yeah. because we are there in society no of course not 100 percent. i totally agree with you it's just that i feel over the last like say five years ten years even just when there has been a few kind of elements of light there there seems to be a slew of other shows to have come in there to have taken taken everything 10 steps backwards and they're all that's the reason why we're never like you're talking about we're, we've always been at the cusp because every time we make two or three steps forward it feels like a show will come out or a number of shows will come out mm. to bring us all the way back to the bottom of the, the rung again. So it's almost a game of snakes and ladders all the time. Yeah. You know, like, so like three girls came out only a few years ago. And, and, and as important as it was to really um, highlight what was happening in Rochdale, and it is important to see not just from our own community's perspective, but everyone across the UK to yeah. highlight a real big problem. But again, obviously, it's another negative portrayal of the Islamic community. Yeah. Um, you know, so you you kind of have like a, a step up and then it's a step down and then you have another few steps down. And it, it feels like we're constantly having to work harder and harder to get further up that scale of, you know, some kind of balance and some kind of equilibrium. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we're still unable to do so. We Are Lady Parks is great, but we need like another five of those, another 10 of those kind of shows. You know, until we get to a point where people can finally accept, uh, you know, Muslims as in a positive light, you know, across the whole of the UK and not just our own communities. Yeah. And now I think it might be time to hear from another voice who has worked in media and the arts for a long time. Friend of the show, Shai Hussein. Big up Shai. He was here with us talking about his previously about his uh, kind of journey as a dj yes indeed so i'm talking about the plight of the british asian dj last year yep and this time he's talking to us about muslim representation here's what he had to say so muslim representation it has definitely got better over the past few decades uh it's always going to have some way to go nothing's ever going to be perfect but we can keep trying to be better so let's start off on a good point on a high point we Are Lady Parts on Channel 4 is one of the coolest, most needed boosts in Muslim representation, especially in the UK, that we've needed for ages in terms of the female representation that it gives, in terms of the diversity of Muslims in the UK through different, like, uh, what's it called? Different um, nationalities and different colors of people. And, and basically, yeah, it's just, it's done such a great way of diversifying maybe it doesn't touch on the whole different sects of islam in terms of sunni shia Ahmadi, you know all of the different ones um but uh and also it doesn't touch on older i mean you know it's got the parents and everything but yeah we could uh, actually no it ha does have really good representations of the older mum and dad being the complete opposite of the daughter the daughter's the one who wants to have the arranged marriage the parents are the one who are much more westernized hip and cooler and you know want her to explore herself a bit more and um so that it was it's so refreshing in so many ways and i just hope that we have a lot more stuff like that um 
Also, yeah, disability. I'm not sure whether it had reference. I mean, this is really scraping the barrel trying to find you. Why couldn't you represent this kind of Muslim? Or that, you know, it, it did an amazing job and it doesn't feel as if it's shoved down your throat. So, yes, that is the high point. I did have a read of the USC Annenberg research study. It didn't surprise me very much. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like Muslims have been so stereotyped over the years. It has got better since the days of 24, just basically, you know, showing Muslim terrorists everywhere. And, um, yeah, it's uh, the, the it's we're just a lot more aware of it now. It still has a long way to go but with shows like man like mobin and um i can't say citizen i mean citizen khan did give a representation a very outdated representation but at least it didn't push the um known i mean it was more cultural stereotypes rather than uh the muslim stereotypes uh yeah, bodyguard was pretty bad in terms of just it was actually i really enjoyed it as a series and then that final 20 minutes of the final episode it was like really you're going to go there and it just completely undid all of the greatness that came before it um yeah, Muslimic as well uh, with Atif Nawaz. That was a really cool comedy sketch show about different kinds of muslims and um Tez Ilyas is doing great stuff um and yeah bbc they've just optioned the khan um by simon mir the novel um and and but that has great representations of it's got a female main role and about you know the ways that she's actually manages to assert power for herself it's just super refreshing to see that kind of representation so you know they are making these kind of decisions to improve uh, and uh, you know sort of like have a wider representation disney as well you know like we uh the thing the annenberg the uh what's it called the research um that we read is it say a lot about how important it is for muslim representation to be strong in youth um shows as well and you know it really should it should start from Disney, uh, you know, Pixar, DreamWorks, you know, just CBBs, all of that. It would be great to, for kids to grow up knowing that they're being represented. Um, and uh, I mean, Disney has done a really interesting thing. You know, it has that show Mirror Royal Detective, which is great for Asia, South Asians to finally see themselves represented. And just this Eid, they did this um, song thing like they put it out on youtube where mirror's friend teaches her all about eid and yeah it was cheesy and corny but it just felt good for kids to feel muslim kids to feel represented um so yeah more of that um at the same time i yeah there's there's also superb work being done where muslim stories are being shown through things yeah, through people who aren't Muslim. So, I mean, what I'm trying to say, this is how I'm going to conclude. We need m- Muslim issues like, you know, terrorism, the refugee crisis, and Muslims integrating into, you know, Britain to be shown. We need to share those stories. But what I would say as a conclusion is for those stories to be explored through people who are not Muslim, who are not brown, um... One amazing example of this was uh, the Channel 4 series Humans. Um, In series three, 
they explored terrorism and what pushes people towards terrorism better than anything I've seen in the last few years. And uh, it had nothing to do with Islam, um, but it showed exactly what Muslims go through. But all of the characters were, they were white, they were black, they were, you know, everything. And they were robots. But basically, you know, it's just that empathy, which is most important um and and that people are going to only watch those kind of shows if it's not sold as a muslim story so if we are going to explore those muslim issues like terrorism the refugee crisis integration blah 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 let's do it through the lens of somebody who's white somebody who's british somebody who's who's not muslim in the slightest just so people who need to hear those stories most are the ones you know they'll feel that they are being represented on face value because uh, empathy is what it's all down to at the same time let's please have muslim like uh, muslim characters put into shows of all diversities different colors different nationalities different customs genders sects and sexualities but where religion isn't the issue muslims need to be seen as humans, and humans need to be able to empathise what it is to be Muslim. Much respect to Shai for joining us once again here on The Native Immigrants to share his thoughts. You can follow him and all his movements at Shai Hussein on Twitter, but he's also on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can find your social media places. He's also there. Um, and check out some of the great work that he's doing, including his DJ stuff on dj shy guy as well um where we've had the pleasure it's a great handle it's a great handle uh we've been lucky enough to go to a few of his gigs now great dj great all-round guy i mean uh, we put on a gig together many many years yes, ago yes indeed a summer gig, jam and we made some dollars yeah it's almost like 10 years ago now jeez um we old we old yeah but um much respect to him for his views which echo a lot of the similar sentiments that we spoke about previously on this half of the show that humans analogy blew my mind yeah absolutely because i never really thought about it but it makes so much sense the way that he explains it yeah it's so true but i do wonder how much people can relate it to the muslim community mm. because that the, the things that they're used to seeing the stereotypes they're used to seeing around muslims yeah the you know the brown skin the funny accent Mm. Or all that kind of stuff, because that's completely removed from that from that scenario within humans mm. that people don't relate the two in their minds. Mm. And I think that's the issue. There's right. so much caught up in those that in that stereotyping. Yeah, that was pulled out in the study. You know, the fact that the Muslims the Muslims in on screen are always seen as immigrants or refugees that they have an accent that they wear different clothes it gets so wrapped up in that so even that analogy from humans although it's so perfectly done hmm. that people, shield comes up so you never actually relate it to it yeah people yeah. can't relate it because because of the whiteness because of the accents because of the western clothes yeah it's the two things won't compute in people's minds which is really unfortunate because it didn't in mine no exactly no it's only when pointing it out it actually makes it a lot more sense yeah but it's it's that subliminal way of looking at things whereas we've already spoke about the general public not not being uh, everything needs to be one plus one equals two and if you're fed enough things into people's yes. minds 
then sheep will follow the shepherd to wherever they and need to go. And also it's propaganda. So if you look at things, I mean, remember in school, we learned about Nazi propaganda, the things that you've shown, the things that you're constantly shown that relate to a specific group of people yeah. soon become embedded if you're showing it constantly over and over and over and over again. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's what's happened here. Yeah. And so those things are embedded in your mind as being related to the Muslim community, even though a lot of the time that's just not true. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's something that we can only overcome by having other portrayals. Yes. And it's what Shai says, you know, where you are seeing Muslim people just being people and yeah, just doing everyday course, yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and the subject of Islam is it's a part of their life, but it's not the main part of the story. Completely. Yeah. Just like we are lady parts or just like man like Mobin, yeah. where people are just being people and living their lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, like we, one of the mottos of our show uh, in wanting representation for our communities on, on television is we just want to see normal Asians being normal. Yeah. Um, My and old boss used to say people are people. Yeah, exactly. And you have to, but you have to allow people to be people. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, um, but I, I think to, in order for things to change, it needs the guys and the gatekeepers and the people on top to make the change. Yeah. Um, and this whole conversation uh, built around this whole scenario and situation was only brought upon us by Riz Ahmed and him calling this out. And he has started a new initiative which is a blueprint for muslim inclusion mm -hmm. which would include funding and mentoring for up and coming muslim storytellers now this is an eighteen thousand pound fellowship for young muslim artists and will be awarded by an advisory committee that will include such artists and actors and comedians such as mahershala ali rami yusuf hassan minaj and nida mazu who we spoke about earlier so here we can see uh, an initiative set up to try to bring that next generation of Islamic storyteller, artist, creative into developing their stories and giving them a, a voice and giving them a platform to shine. Um, and that can hopefully open up a lot more doors to people to come through and actually change that narrative across the whole scale. Yeah, we want to hear diverse voices telling diverse stories. Yeah. I think... Hopefully, he's pushing for change because yes. he's realized he's at a point in his career yeah. where he has power. Yes, indeed. And that's that's what I feel like we've been lacking is that people who have got to a certain position, not many people have got to his position, to of be course. fair. Of course, yeah, right? exactly. But when people have got to a certain level of power, they've actually just become part of the establishment rather than trying to challenge the establishment and open the doors for the people that come after them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They can claim to, hmm. and many will, but how many have actually done it? Yeah. You know? And I think Riz is one of those people who is out there trying to make change happen because he knows he's got to a point where he can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah and, and it's using that platform in order to instill and make change. And I think that not only um, signifies, um, you know, an important person, but one that's willing to go out above and beyond his call of duty in order to make that change. And I think that's very, very inspirational. And I hope other people amongst our community do the same. You know, we're talking about Muslim representation here, but when we talk about the South Asian community as a whole collective, it needs change across the whole board. And more open discussions like this can openly, hopefully enable that change to happen. Yeah, I hope so, because having been 
one of the only brown faces in many, many rooms <laughs> across many big media brands. Mm. It makes it's a lonely place. Yes, indeed. And it's also the reason why things can't change when you're the only voice. We need multiple voices in those rooms. Yeah. I, to be heard, because quite often people, when I say people, I mean older white men <laughs> who are usually in charge, <laughs> yeah. will try and drown you out. And it's happened to me so many times, mm. you know, and and I, not that I'm in a massive, I've never was never in big positions of power, but I had an opinion and quite often those opinions weren't heard yeah, um, because they were drowned out by people who thought they were better qualified or more important than me. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that because, yeah, the sentiments of everyone that's spoken here today, um, we need to make that change. Um, and hopefully this initiative will enable that um, across uh, a much wider perspective. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you to everyone that's joined us this week here on The Native Immigrants. We're back in two weeks' time with our annual Pride Special a show that's very important to both of us and gets a chance for us to champion the members of the LGBTQ plus community within our own communities. I love our Pride specials. Yes, indeed. So make sure you listen in in two weeks' time for that. So from Swami Barakas. And from Jojo B. We'll see you all then, people. Peace. <laughs>